0: But you don't record live, yeah. Alla. Yo,
1: <laughs> welcome back. We are back here with the Slapshot Sammy podcast. This is an exciting one today. After a kidney stone-filled bye week last weekend, we are here in Nashville, and I'm here live in person with Warren Nielsen. How do you like Nashville, man?
0: It's great. We got a nice, sunny weather. A couple new birds. We're figuring out. Caught a Preds game this week and ate plenty of barbecue, so can't complain. yeah.
1: Got a Stars game in Nashville. Got our fang fingers up and everything. So we got a lot to talk about today to catch up. Uh, we got two, week, two rounds of college hockey. Uh, we got the trade deadline fastly approaching. And we got a lot more to talk about. So let's just jump right in here. I want to go over briefly uh, the college round, first two rounds because they were wild, man. Um, we had upsets all over the place. All the teams that we were predicting uh, to go far didn't really do well in the first round. Uh, including all the people that I picked to go into my bracket. My bracket was destroyed after the first day. So real quick, uh, right before, I know we talked last, last uh, episode about St. Lawrence getting into the tournament, and then maybe a day after we recorded that podcast, they got DQ'd for COVID, um, which was tough, too, because uh, it was such a huge upset for them to get in. They haven't been in in like 14 years. Um, There's their first champion, conference championship in a long time, so that was really tough for them. And then they were replaced by Notre Dame, who got you know, a gift of getting in as the, as the number 16 overall seed, basically. And then they got disqualified right after that, like a week later. That's wild. Um, So, automatic DQ in that one. Um, and then right after that, just before the game, uh, Michigan-Minnesota-Duluth was going to be one of the best games in the tournament uh, in that first round. And Michigan gets a couple positive tests. I think they were already at the arena. I mean, what does that feel like, man? You, can you imagine being in that position?
0: I can't imagine. I mean, it just I just feel for all the athletes in high school, college, even at the professional level that are competing and going through this. And, you know, I, you know, as the everybody, that normal people are, it's just brutal. Like, I, it's just – it's coming to a point where, you know, you're really getting all these um, – you go this far in your career and, and do all that. And, and to be, you know, a college athlete where a lot of these guys aren't going to play pro. And so this is kind of the pinnacle of it. And to have that happen is just – I can't imagine it at all. So I feel really – heart goes out to those guys. But still, like – some pretty cool upsets, and uh, some still a lot of good college hockey left. So,
1: yeah, and you know the craziest thing too with with that situation is that all those players have to quarantine at their campuses, and they got to live by themselves, and they're not going out, they're not doing all these things, and they, they're sacrificing so much to make it and get as many games as possible, and then just season over just like that. So, you really feel for the seniors, especially. I think a lot of them. I'm not sure the rules specifically. I know last year they got eligibility back. Uh, I don't know about this year specifically, but at least some of them will get another chance, uh, which is nice. But first round, the biggest ones: Wisconsin, who was rolling into the tournament, um, was upset by Bemidji State in the first round. Cole Caulfield scored two goals late in a, in a late comeback effort, but um, they got overpowered by Bemidji State. There, lost six to three in that first round game. UMass kind of dominated, beat Lake Superior five one. Uh, North Dakota, as well as the number one overall seed. Minnesota came out and a little to a little bit of a surprise, won seven to two. I thought that was going to be a little bit of closer of a game, uh, but they were just on fire. They were up like five nothing in the first period. Saint Cloud took care of BU six to two as well, um, and then uh, Minnesota State came back on Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac was up two nothing in that game. Minnesota State comes back and beats them in overtime, four to three. So another tough break for Quinnipiac, who lost in heartbreak fashion both in the in the ECAC final and in the uh, in the first round of the tournament. So. Uh, for the best first-round game, uh, I think that it would be that Quinnipiac game. It was the most even. Uh, the third period of Wisconsin was pretty exciting, but for the most part, the rest of the games were pretty much dominated by one team. Uh, so Minnesota State is the best was the best game of that first round. But then we rolled into, into round number two. Uh, UMass, again, they were probably the most impressive team in the first ra- first two rounds. They dominated 5-1 and 4-0 in the first two rounds, beat Bemidji State 4-0. Uh, they were up 2 nothing after the first, took care of them the rest of the way. Uh, Minnesota, Duluth, North Dakota, um, real quick, St. Cloud beat BC 4-1, and Minnesota State upset Minnesota, which was tough for the Gopher boys, uh, they just didn't look good, and Minnesota State took care of them, so good for Minnesota State to get back there to the, to the final four, or the frozen four, but Minnesota, Duluth, North Dakota, so Duluth uh, goes from having the toughest first round game against Michigan to an automatic buy to the second round, then they get put up against the number one overall seed in that second round, North Dakota, who was coming off uh, a really good season. And the game was back and forth a lot, but it was uh, 2 to nothing in the end. Uh, I think it was nine, either 9 or 8 minutes left in that third period. And North Dakota scores two goals in about a minute and a half um, to tie that game late. And then it goes to overtime. In the first overtime, Minnesota Duluth wins the game. Game's over. Everyone's going crazy. Hold on, wait a minute. Offsides challenge rule. No goal brings it back. We go on to the second overtime. In the second overtime, the puck hits the goalie's chest, bounces up over the top, and lands on top of the goal just as close as you can get without scoring. Um, We go on and we go on and we go on and we go (laughs) on all the way to five overtimes, um, which is just insane to think about that. That is almost three hockey games worth of playing Um, I know that a couple goalies got pulled because they were just cramping up, not able to play enough after those those overtimes. But in the end, Minnesota Duluth on a two-on-one gets the shot down the wing, beats him five-hole, and Duluth beats North Dakota three to two in the fifth overtime to move on to the Frozen Four. So we have, going into the Frozen Four, Minnesota Duluth against UMass and St. Cloud versus Minnesota State. So Warren, I will ask you, why don't you give me your picks in those games and then give me your overall winner of the two. Uh, that went out there.
0: I think, I mean, just Duluth is just rolling at this point. Like they're, you know, they're winning games they don't even play and they're winning (laughs) games that they play two games in. So I like have a hard time seeing I mean, UMass has been solid throughout. So I I think it's going to be between. But uh, yeah, I'm going to say Duluth. Um, Minnesota State dealt with Minnesota like handily. You know, they're going bar down on empty netters. But (laughs) I, I just still think that. I can't see Duluth with, you know, teams that face adversity and get that far just do tend to do well. So I would, I'm putting in Duluth, the Bulldogs and honor Mark Pavlich too. So
1: yes. And they you're giving them a third straight championship. Why not? Uh, for Duluth. They, uh, after a bye year last year with no tournament, they won back to back 2018 and 19. So there you hear it Warren Nielsen picks Minnesota Duluth. I actually agree with you. I think that that UMass Duluth game is going to be really good. Um, and I think whoever comes out of that wins the, the championship in my mind. But going to be fun. That's April 8th and April 10th, I believe, is the final. So uh, looking forward to that next weekend or next week. Let's roll back into the NHL here. So something we've talked about a lot, um, it's almost mind-baffling when we talk rookies scoring in their first ever game. So something about it, what is it that, bring, that when a rookie goes into their game makes them so hyped up and ready to go that it seems like they always score in that first game
0: I don't know you know I think part of it could be that lap they take by themselves (laughs) (laughs) you know I love that the NHL teams do that get the guys going but part of it I think is like you know when you when you go you don't play in men's league for a while like say because of COVID or whatever and then you get out there and then you're just so kind of in your own like little world that you're not necessarily like the playmaker and you're not looking up as much and I think at the pace that the NHL is a lot of these guys are coming up from you know college or the juniors or even the AHL. And, and it, I think it's just a step up and they're kind of, people are setting them up more than they're setting up. And I just think it's a whole adrenaline rush that they just had this next level to kind of tap into and they got a lot to prove. And, and so I think that maybe that's why, but you know, it's that first game. It's just, I can't imagine the jitters that they go through, and I'd be interested to see, you know, at what point do they score in their first game, you know, I don't think any rookie's gonna score on their first shift of their first game, like, they're just, they're trying not to vomit, and then change as soon as they dump a buck deep, or something, but, yeah, I don't know, yeah, like, yeah, you were gonna, like, Matthews, you know, buried four, so obviously, something's going on well with Eric, but, you know, there's some rookies that they may not play again, but somehow they find that in the back of the game. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been funny, too. There has been a couple that have scored on their first shots, uh, their first shift, but it's, it's rare because, you know, they're all hyped up. They're all jittery, getting out and going as fast as they can. But um, something else, too, that's that's rare in the NHL that maybe boosts it up a little bit is they do fly their families in for the first game mm-hmm. when they when they make their debut. So, I mean, it's got to be nice to have your family. And especially if it's like, you know, I know a lot of guys make their debut. Justin Dowling made his debut. I believe it was Calgary, which is his hometown. Yeah. So, they didn't just fly in his parents. They had 30 tickets for him. So, That's he's got awesome. his entire family and friends there um, for him to bury his first goal. So, um, I I don't, I really don't know. I, for me, I'm the opposite. When I put my first game in a, in a season or something, I'm more nervous. And I, I usually don't play as well in the yeah. very beginning. Especially the beginning of the game. So, uh, but the, the running total right now is 631 rookies have scored in their first game. <laughs> 52 of them have scored multiple goal games. And then the, the record holder is who you spoke about before, Marlon yeah. Matthews, I believe he's tied with one other guy for four goals in the first game, uh, which is crazy, man. He, he burst onto the scene back, I think it was 2016, and he uh, scored a lot of pretty goals too, and he hasn't stopped scoring since. But it's an interesting thing to keep, a, keep an eye on. I just feel like every time I'm watching highlights or a game, I hear something rookie scores on his first shift of his first game or NHL debut couldn't go any better for this guy and so it's funny to see that in a total um and it looks like it happens a lot with 631 so uh, keep an eye on that but uh let's talk about the stars now so we we haven't talked about the stars in a few weeks because it's been pretty uneventful uh in that it's been consistent in the wrong way Mm -hmm. um but in the the good news of it is, as we record this right now, they are five points out of the playoffs with four games in hand on everyone they're chasing. So somehow, whether it's the teams above them not winning or they're all beating each other back and forth to allow the stars to catch up a little bit, um, you know, the stars only have I think thirteen wins in their total uh, other games this season. So the ridiculous part of their record is that they also have ten overtime or shootout losses. So in a way they're losing a point, but they're also gaining a point. They're they're winning or they're losing correctly, which is helping them a lot to to keep pace. But also you look at it, if they're just a decent overtime team, they're in the playoff spot right now. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be tough for them. Then it has to change because you have to figure out a way to get that extra point, especially playing against all these teams that are in division. Every game is a playoff game for them uh going forward. But right, let's look at the the high points here. Um Jason Robertson, you got to see him on Thursday in Nashville what do you like about him uh, coming in as a rookie right now?
0: I mean, he just has his head up. He he's making so many plays on both ends of the ice, and he's just just such a happy guy. Like, yeah, I love seeing him at the end of interviews. He's always like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's just he's just so stoked to be there, and, and I think he he's setting guys up. You know, he's with Hints and Pavelski, which I just think is a really good line, um, and I just think that they're they're getting kind of the looks that they want. Like they get the talent out of Hints. They're getting um, the hands out of Pavelski. And then they got the speed and kind of like youth out of Robertson. And and he's just, I think a real humble, like hardworking guy that's going to do a lot for the franchise. So, and I'm going to say about the shootout losses, maybe they, you know, I think Jokinen and Ribeiro could come out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. Their- they
1: need somebody to do something. <laughs> um, I, I agree that Robertson's funny. He got his head up too. He's also got his visor up above his helmet. So <laughs> yeah. I like that style, but, um, that line, so Robertson, Hints, and Pavelski have put together on uh, just about a week ago now, and they went uh, combined for three goals and five assists in their first game. They have not gone without a point in every game since. Robertson is on a three-game goal, game, uh, three game goal streak. Hints has scored in basically every game he's played when he's actually in the lineup, uh, which is rare nowadays, yeah. um, and Pavelski finds a way to keep up, even though he's trucking along with... Uh, he's not quite as speedy as the other two, but... Um, it's been really exciting to watch them play. And you saw the goal they scored against the Lightning, which was the game winner, which was filthy. And then just on Thursday, Hints breaks down the wing and finds an amazing backdoor pass to Robertson. So they're super exciting to watch. They're able to back the other team off a little bit and just give their offense more space that they don't normally have without him. And that's something that Sagan does a lot as well, which is why they really, really need it, um, especially because their other speedy winger, Dennis Gurionov, just hasn't found it so far this season. Um you know, you think, you think he breaks out of this, this slump, he's currently only got six goals, um, he had six goals in just one series in the playoffs last year, so definitely, definitely needs to get picked up a little bit, um, do you see him breaking out of this before the end of the season?
0: I think so, I mean, I think his last game, we were talking about this, that he looked really good, Ben maybe had one of his better games, and I think Garyanov really benefited from that, or maybe you know, it was vice versa, but them, and they got uh, Fossa on that line, and I just think that I think he's getting more looks. I think he's looking more like himself, more like kind of a power forward, but still like, you know, flying down the wing and and getting more of the kind of shots he wants to make and creating. I think he's still like, it's kind of the sophomore slump. And I don't think, you know, he's obviously almost lost on the game in that overtime against the Lightning um, with that kind of dump and i don't know what he's doing i mean you know not to say that i would do any better but (laughs) but i i I really hope he comes out especially since i said that he was one of the best scorers in our first podcast but you know just for his sake too but i don't know i I think he'll come out i think he's gonna be better than like the nishishkin that never really kind of came into his own but i there are different players as well but i think he shows a lot of promise and i think you know he went from not having a lot of points and being in a big slump to last year making a difference in the playoffs and so on and so forth so I think I am a hopeless optimist and I'm gonna say yeah that he'll come out
1: yeah and he's also a streaky player overall if you look at his stats even back in the AHL he would go four games in a row with a goal and then miss 12 uh and then he would go three in a row and miss six and so he's always kind of been like that which is you know what happens with a young player Mm -hmm. and you know it just I just talked about this in an article I did on him that he's a uh, 23 year old player like you got to remember that everyone's like so jumping on his back and come on, he's supposed to be a big scorer and all the pressure was on him because Sagan's out, Radulov's been out, Kidi Ranta's been out. But you got to remember this guy's 23 years old. So the biggest things that come with development are patience, consistency, and the ability to deal with the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the reason you have trouble being consistent is because you get really high and you get really low, just like a college lacrosse player or a college hockey player. Mm -hmm. It's hard to balance that and stay streamlined that's why those veterans you don't see them go three or more, four games without a goal or without a point because they're able to get right back on the tracks or if they're really high they're able to stay that way and not go the dips and the um the ups and downs as much as uh, a younger player would do so have patience i think he'll be fine um he did look really good with ben um that's such an interesting line you know who saw foxa ben and off as a line um i know they're missing three key players right now but um You know, you get that along with the Dickinson-Cogliano-Como line and the Pavelski-Hintz-Robertson line, and it's just the most random uh, assignments for each person, and then you got the all-rookie fourth line. So, Mm -hmm. uh, good things coming. I think it's been interesting for the Stars. They've played, you know, I've watched all their games really, really detailed, and they've played well enough to win so many more games than they've won. Rick Bonus is a very honest coach, and in every interview, he's like, we had 27 scoring chances and they had 11 we lost in overtime. And he's so honest about it because he's kind of, you know, baffled like a waffle about it. And doesn't doesn't really know what's going on or why they're not winning games. So you kind of feel like once they break out of that,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. maybe they'll be able to keep rolling. Unfortunately, they thought it was once they broke out of their scoring slump. And then when they did and they scored, you know, 12 goals in two games, they went right back into their zone. So you hope that maybe it's the right time to break out, get a three-game winning streak here going into Carolina and then get Sagan and Bishop coming back in the next couple weeks to really push yourself towards a playoff spot because it is there for the taking. Mm-hmm. If they just play their game and put a couple more pucks in net, um, they get that key save and that key goal, which is what they've been missing. I said it to you at the game. I was like, okay, they're up 2-1. This is where they've been in almost every game in the last two months, but they never get that 3-1, and then all of a sudden it's 2-2 late in the third, and they lose in overtime. So if they can keep getting that, Sagan and Bishop are, are starting to skate. Sagan might practice next week with the team, which is so great to hear. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe they can get their, their full team back in, get Radulov back a little more healthy, and really make a push towards the playoffs, which would very much affect the trade deadline for them because yeah. right now it's up in the air whether they're going to be buyers, sellers, or nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, but what also makes it even a less uh, intense trade deadline for them is is they did just sign two North, North Dakota free agents uh, last week, including one mid-game in Nashville on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, they got captain and forward Jordan Kawaguchi, who led U.N.D. in scoring the last three seasons. Really, really big signing. I'm honestly not really sure how he didn't get drafted. I don't get that fully when you're leading the, one of the best teams in the country mm-hmm. in scoring in three years, but they believe it's a really big signing. And then they also signed the goalie, Adam Scheel, who made 52 saves in that five-overtime game. Uh, is a really good player for them. So those are two really big signings for them that are going to really build up their prospect pool. Um, And something that's not known is that their goalies, while you think they have so many goalies right now, Colton Point and Landon Bow are both on expiring contracts. They've kind of given up on the Colton Point experiment, uh, thinking that he might be the future. He might be on his way out. Landon is an older guy in the AHL. He might be on his way out. So all of a sudden... Hudobin might be on his way out this offseason, and now all of a sudden it might be Ottinger, Bishop, and Shield as the only three goalies in, the, yeah. in their whole thing. So, um, It's a really big signing for them, and it definitely adds to the uh, confusion of the goalie position a little bit. But Good things hopefully on the way for the Stars um, as, they, as they come in now. They play Carolina tonight in about an hour, which will be a big weekend for them. They kind of were embarrassed against Carolina in the first games yeah. against them. Um, and really need to start winning against big teams. I think there's something like 1-3-3 three, and three against the top teams in that division. Yeah. So they really need to start winning those games because they're going to play the Lightning a little bit more, they're going to play Carolina, and they're going to play Florida um, in the end here and really need to to win those games. But let's jump in. Speaking of trade deadline, we have some trades, not any blockbuster ones as of yet, uh, but we still are. What's it, the third? So we're still nine days out. Uh, but latest trades... Coming from uh, the NHL, we have the Ducks acquiring Alexander Volkoff a couple weeks ago from Tampa in exchange for a couple of uh, prospects and a pick. The Kings acquired Brendan Lemieux from the Rangers in exchange for a pick as well. And then the Blackhawks acquired Vinny Henestrosa just last night, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. uh, from the Florida Panthers in exchange for Brad Morrison. A trade that doesn't really make sense to me, honestly. I'm not really sure why Chicago is acquiring... Um, a player like that, I it doesn't really make sense uh, for me. Maybe they're really looking for that type of player to make a playoff push, but um, that's kind of weird to see, the, especially intra-division teams. You don't see a, a team that's battling for, you know, maybe Chicago's not fighting for the top spots, but they're fighting for playoff spots mm-hmm. and trading with each other, which is something you don't see a lot. Um, and then the biggest one, if you want to call it the biggest one, the, uh, the rental himself, Eric Stahl, Uh, getting traded to Montreal, I think, I don't know, he's gotten traded 14 times in the last two seasons, Um, (laughs) but he gets traded to Montreal from Buffalo for a third and fifth round pick in what we believe will be a cleaning of the house in Buffalo. Mm. Uh, We may see a lot of guys get shipped out of Buffalo in the next coming couple weeks, including even possibly Eichel. Um, It's a a
0: very clean house. Yeah,
1: so they're really going to have to figure it out, as I think we talked about it last time, where... They just need to figure out what the heck's going on in that organization. Every time it seems like they're rebuilding, they got their guy in Eichel, and they're going to make a push. Then all of a sudden, they lose 18 games in a row, and you know they're on the they're on the the opposite of what they want to be. So, yeah. um, anybody come to mind though when you're thinking of players that are really going to be on their way out? I know we talked about it last week, but any new ones coming into your head that that you're just like this guy's got to go?
0: I can't I can't imagine it. I, I I just don't see Buffalo getting rid of Eichel. Um, I just don't think Skinner had a good season and, and was good enough to be traded for something. Um, I, I could see Taylor Hall maybe getting dealt last minute. I, goodness knows who. Maybe, you know, someone like the Blackhawks or someone like Carolina, someone on that fringe, uh, or Columbus even, I, although they already had their kind of trade with Line A. But, you know, it's one of those kind of side, the teams that are looking to get in, uh, out on their way in. So maybe them. Um, I don't see really any of the teams in kind of the Eastern Divisions or anything like that, or up north, doing too much moving. But we'll see. You know, I think we're always surprised when it comes down. Um, you know, maybe someone like the Penguins or Bruins wants to pick someone up to solidify and blast in the playoffs. But I don't know. It'll, I don't really see too much movement, to be honest.
1: Yeah, Bruins could use some scoring. That's for mm-hmm. sure. um You know, something too that with this this deadline we've talked a couple times about is that it's not going to be like any other deadline because. You have so many other factors going into it with the COVID delays and the, the two weeks if you're trying to cross borders and things yeah. like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, how, how blockbuster we get um, with, with the teams battling at the end here. But something that was mentioned that I want to bring up is a couple people said Taylor Hall might be a fit in Dallas. I don't see that, especially because they are right up against the salary cap. I think they had $270 free mm-hmm. last time I checked, so I'm not sure how they would do that. Um, you know, Jimmy Neal does a good job at working his way around, so we'll yeah. see there, but I don't know if that's a fit on there. I don't know if Dallas is trying to make that kind of move, but um, how about Nashville? Nashville was someone we talked about last podcast, going to deal all these guys. They were sellers. They have Echo might go. Yossi might go. Forsberg is an option. All these things. Now all of a sudden they go on a seven, goal, a seven-game winning streak or yeah. eight-game winning streak, and they're in the playoffs. And now it's like, all right, who can we add to this, you know, <laughs> defensive core? I don't think I don't think Ekholm goes out, you know, unless they lose the next five games straight, and they're like, all right, maybe we aren't going to make a push here. Yeah. I don't think they'll deal one of their big name
0: players. You agree? I don't think so. And I, you know, they're just getting solid play out of guys like Cromaldi, who's just crushing it for them. Um, and then, you know, kind of. Just top down, and and same with. I mean, maybe they deal like someone like Rene, you know, because Saros has obviously kind of been nails for them. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Rene is someone that they might pick up to make a playoff push. You know, maybe he could be a number one goalie for someone. But I just, yeah, it's really cool to see them turn it around and, and get these last like kind of eight game uh, kind of win streak. Although you know, it was good to see the Stars come out and play hard against them in the on the road. But Skip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not biased at all. We're not biased at all here. No, no.
1: Whatever. We were we were in the second to last row in the the back, so we can be as loud as we want. Just
0: social distance.
1: Yeah, we were trying to get our get the fang fingers going. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's jump to another thing. Uh, Tim Peel. A couple weeks ago, we didn't get into this because we we didn't record last week. But I think it was two weeks ago. Now he gets fired because he on the hot mic says, "I was just trying to give him a penalty there." Which you understand. I mean, this is this is an interesting topic where I've argued with myself back and forth. Where I want to say, well, yeah, it's a ref. He's got to he's got to manage the game a little bit. We can't have a penalty called every time it's actually a penalty. If a team is taking a ton of penalties, they get six penalties a game. You're going to slow the game down. It's going to change it. You got to kind of manage it. And then I'm like, well, or maybe not. Maybe they just need to be fair and call what they call. So, how do you feel about that? Let's talk about first. Do you think it was fair to fire him? And then second. How would you, how do you see that whole managing the game versus
0: calling it even? Yeah, I I have no, I respect the heck out of the uh, referees. I don't envy the linesman at all. And I don't think anyone knows how hard their job really is. Um, so just, you know, getting that out of the way. I I don't know, you know, obviously the NHL is trying to like have this, in integrity sort of image and if someone's going to say that they called a penalty because they wanted to especially when they're on the hot mic it's like come on man like we're, you know even though he's a veteran like you, you just can't do that unfortunately so it's not something to boast about um so I, I think I honestly kind of agree with the firing you know it's just not an image the NHL wants um but you know being a ref is tough and I, and I think there's guys like is it who is a wes anderson what's the guy that, not that's a director from <laughs> Wes mccauley Wes mccauley yeah i mean guys that are just mic'd up that are hilarious and and they're just kind of playful and they're in the game and you know and i think there's a tone like if i don't know if you've seen the video tim peel but like he just has a different tone than you know someone else that's like kind of messing around with, and has a good rapport with guys and i and i think that it it was probably you know maybe a long time coming that he's done other things but yeah that was unfortunate and and I think not a good look for the NHL so it's probably good that they let him go yeah he
1: also I don't know if you if uh you're aware he was also retiring coming up at the end of the season so it was basically it was kind of like a a win-win for the NHL where it was like all right we can make a statement here fire him but it's also like he's on his way out we're we're basically just giving him a severance package two months early (laughs) Uh, so I don't think it was a huge deal you know if it's a Wes McCauley or someone who's got another another five ten years before they're going to be retiring then it's probably a lot bigger deal. And I don't know if they
0: come down with the hammer as much as they did on that. It's too bad, too. I mean, obviously, the Red Wings aren't going to capitalize on those calls. Yeah, day. they're not like, going to score the power play anyway. It doesn't right. matter. As long as they're breaking out, you know, I'm pretty happy with it. But they're, they're looking good. They took Tampa to a pretty close game. And, and they're, you know, not the worst team in the league. So I'm going to end on that. But yeah, Tim Peel, I think, was a good move by the NHL. So.
1: Yeah. What do you think about how a ref should manage a game? Like, do you think they there's a level of managing the game they have to do in order to keep it going and keep it running because it is a fan sport. You got to remember this. It's not, you know, it it has to be entertaining. So if they're just calling a penalty on everything, the game's going to slow down. It's going to change the game. You know, people always complain, like call it consistently, but would you call the same penalty in double overtime as you did in
0: the first period? Yeah, no, I don't think you would. I think you just kind of let it happen, but you know, this is a different situation. I think that's apples and oranges a little bit, but I, I think that, There's refs that have made it to this level that, you know, obviously have progressed through the ranks and those guys, and they are good at their job. And I, and I think that I'd say nine times out of 10, the refs make the right call. It's, and it's really amazing to watch even on instant replay, you know, other than maybe the offsides, which they miss, which is the linesman, not the ref, but. But, like, it's pretty amazing on instant replay how often refs are right. And I think for as often as they're wrong, like, it's going to bounce out eventually. Like, the puck doesn't lie to some extent. You know, the, the bounces and stuff, it's going to go to the team that's working harder. And, and I think you really can mostly remove refs from the game. You know, there's glaring instances of it. But I, I think that, yeah, refs are going to not make as many calls when it's overtime and late in playoffs. But I think that it kind of usually evens out. And I don't think, you know, maybe we'll get a call or someone tweet at Sam Nessler, but if there's any, like, glaring instances of refs making a huge difference in a whole, like, series, not just a game, but, like, a whole series. So, I can't think of any, you know. Yeah. But.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a balance, and it'll, it, it'd it be really hard to not have some type of managing the game going on and some yeah. type of back and forth. So, um, I completely agree. But, all right, we have a new exciting segment uh, Shout out to Andrew Bull and Big Andy Nestler for the ideas for the podcast, but I'm really excited about this one. So I actually heard partially some of the uh, idea as well from the Reiki Dinking podcast, where they do some like awards and things like that, where you come up with your your picks for the year or your picks for the week, whatever it is. So we're gonna introduce the new segment segment called Slapshot Picks. This week we're gonna look at the first half of the season. So what I want to do first. I'll go with you, for you, and then I'll give you my my answer back uh, afterwards, but let's start with favorite moment of the first half of the season.
0: I think just how well that the NHL has managed it with, despite being COVID, you know, there's games that are getting postponed but there's no crazy outbreak and yeah the the virus and pandemic are tapering off but I just love how well they've managed the pandemic that there's still road games that they made hockey happen and like and it's this great you know just wonderful thing and I just think I commend the NHL on doing that and then I think it's awesome to see someone like sergey Bobrovsky and the the panthers coming out coming into their own a breakout team for the last 30 years, quote unquote, (laughs) well, you know, but it's really cool to see them actually come out. So I picked two moments, but I think those are my first two. And maybe the Tahoe, Tahoe outdoor games, you know, who wouldn't want to watch the NHL from a kayak? Look, look at
1: this guy just firing three answers as his first day. Wait, wait to commit there, yeah. Warren. These
0: are, I'm, I'm, these are my wrist shot picks. They're, yeah. they're this, this is also
1: coming from the guy who was applauding the refs as they came on the ice on the Thursday's game against Nashville. Got to give
0: it up for the <laughs> gotta give it up.
1: All right, so we'll we'll give you three on that one. It's, it's one yeah. from here on out. All right, quick breaking the rules. All right, all right. All right, surprise, surprise. My favorite moment of the first half is when the Stars finally beat the Lightning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It felt like it's been 10 years. Veselovsky with three shutouts in a row. <laughs> Against the Stars, dating back to Perry scoring the winner. The last time the Stars had a lead against Tampa until this last game was Perry's first goal in Game 5 last year's Stanley Cup. So it felt like a long time coming, and they deserved it, and they won. And it looked like it was going to be another moment where they were about to win, and then they tied it up late, and then were going to lose in overtime. But Hint scores that pretty goal in the last minute and a half, and they beat the Lightning. So that's my favorite moment of the first half. Uh, most surprising performer of the
0: first half of the season. I got Kirill Kaprizov. He, I mean, I, first I can't even notice his name, but he's just nasty. He makes plays every single game. Um, he's just bearing He's leading the rookies, NHL, in scoring. And he's just really a boost to that whole Minnesota team. And, he's, and he just looks like he's having fun out there playing the game. And, and so I got my hat off to Kaprizov, even though, you know, we kind of saw with how he did in the KHL, but I think he's kind of my guy.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone expected expect him to be this good. Yeah. He was, you know, A lot of guys come in with hype, but he's no Connor McDavid where you knew he was going to be good right away in the NHL. Uh, so he's doing really well, and he's fun to watch in those those retros that they seem to wear every oh night.
0: My God, that's a later answer. Later yeah,
1: <laughs> but um, that's also a race to keep an eye out. Sorry to to keep going off track, but Jason Robertson is right on the nipping at the heels of Kaprizov after um, a ridiculous march. So that'll be a of fun. You'd that. The Calder race will be fun to watch. Um, my most surprising performer is actually a former Dallas star, Jack Campbell, who was a huge disappointment in Dallas, got traded now finds his way into Toronto who just seems to have goalie problems always because they can never find a way to keep Anderson healthy and back him up well. Now Jack Campbell 8-0-0 in his first 8 starts in Toronto and he looks great. It's not like he's his team is scoring 8 goals and they're winning each game. He looks really good, so I really want to give a shout out to him. It's good to see a guy who didn't live up to the hype finally live up to some hype and it'd be yeah. cool to see if he really is their future backup. Uh, for Freddie, and maybe even a future guy. I don't know exactly how young he is, but I think he was drafted in 2017 or 18, so he's still very young, um, and it'll be interesting to see what he does. So let's switch back to the opposite. Who is your least impressive performer of the first half?
0: I'm gonna loophole and say the Buffalo Sabres, and then say because (laughs) because Eichel Skinner and Hall just can't can't find a way to win. I mean, I, I feel for Eichel. Like, the dude's been injured the whole year, and he's an awesome player, and I really just feel for the whole franchise. Like losing 18 games in a row really hurts, no matter where or when or who you are. But so I'm going to put the, the Sabers as my least interest. as
1: a whole, they did break their 18 game losing streak. Shout yeah, they out, did. and they lost right again after that. But yeah, um, all right, mine is going to be Seth Jones in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a lot about that combo before the season, and then we talked a lot about that combo of Sir Jones and Rorenski during the season and how they weren't impressing. Wrensky's uh, turned it up a little bit, and Jones is by far better than he was early on. But still looking at it, he's only got 19 points in the 38 games, and he's a minus 10. You should not be a minus 10 as the team's number one defenseman. Uh, and Columbus is kind of the, has been in the in-between of, are we going to be a playoff team or not? They kind of seem like now they're not, and they're kind of folding the cards. They don't seem to be winning a whole lot of games. Uh, but we will see what he does. That's That's going to be a pair for a long time. We know that. But I think that we expected a lot more from him, both defensively and on the offensive side. Uh, Favorite rivalry for the first half?
0: I'm going to go with the Lanch and uh, – or the Colorado Avalanche and the, the Vegas Golden Knights. I I just think that's such a cool, you know, West Coast matchup. They're both vying for that first spot in the division, and they're just two nasty teams. You know, you got, like, these guys, you know, Petrangelo, is, he's kind of trying to lock down. And what was that, the hilarious thing where he's just like, oh, nope, nope, I think McKinnon just blows by or something. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. But I love, you know, how much – kind of how fierce those matchups are day in and day out, and I think that could be kind of like a – one to match for the the whole Western Conference Finals. So
1: Yeah, and it looks pretty even. I'm just looking at the scores right now. Yeah. I, I thought it was even. I think it's two and two going into this yeah. this uh this next game. So they're battling for that top spot and it's been exciting to watch them uh play each other. They played at Tahoe right? Wasn't that that was one of the they games did. at Tahoe. Yeah. yeah one one the ones. one that got delayed for 12 hours. (laughs)
0: They played like two
1: of them. Yeah. Uh, So that's, that's always a fun game. And I don't think it'll be the first round matchup, but it'd be funny to see if Minnesota came out of nowhere and won that division. And all of a sudden Vegas is playing Colorado in the first round, Uh, which by the way, in the central, we just talked about this last week in the central, someone's going to get screwed in the first round. If Tampa wins the division, Carolina plays Florida in the first round. If Carolina wins Tampa, Florida, all those matchups are top teams those are one and one three and four right now i think in the power rankings
0: yeah carolina's rpi is so impressive they're fourth you know in rpi like they are not a team to slouch on like at all so yeah it's gonna be really interesting yeah
1: it'll be it'll be fun to watch that first round uh it's pretty much like it's funny to see that tampa might get an easier matchup. you know not to say dallas is an easy matchup but they might get a chicago (laughs) or dallas versus Florida versus Carolina, which yeah. uh, and I think they're all 52 points, 52 points. Tampa just won today, so they jumped into first, yeah. uh, but they're very close. So my favorite rivalry, surprise, surprise, Dallas versus <laughs> Nashville, um, which has actually been really good. This is one of the most even ones I saw across the league. They're 3-0-3, so Stars are doing really well points in every game, but even the ones they're losing, they're all going past 60 minutes. Um, and they've been really fun games. The first two, not so even as we watched in the early season when the Stars put up seven in, uh, in the first game. But it's been really fun to watch those because it's not it's not what you would think of as the best rivalry if you're just looking you know a, a casual fan looking onto the NHL because neither team is dominating and they're they're fighting for a fourth playoff spot but they're battling for that fourth playoff spot and it's been really fun to watch those um, Tampa Chicago is another one that's been fun but it's been a little less even so that's why I went with Dallas Nashville uh, as Tampa seems to win most of those games but all right. So this is the rule. I think at this point, every jersey has now been shown for the most part. So yeah. this rule is not as much. But the jersey has to have been worn on the ice so far. It can't be a jersey that a team is waiting to debut. Mm-hmm. Like the stars who finally wear their retros. <laughs> yeah. and I'm sure there's a team that hasn't worn theirs yet because of COVID. But or a little embarrassed. Yeah. All right. So best jersey on the ice so far this season.
0: I got the wild reverse retro, which wild card, like the Sabres kind of color scheme has gotten a little lighter. I could see the wild getting a little more green and yellow. And I just think that's such a cool scheme. And they got the new logo so i i really liked that whole look for them and i think it'd be cool you know if they found a the home look maybe it'd be a little too much green but uh i think that whole green and yellow scheme they got with the whites are really cool
1: yeah i wouldn't be against them making that their full mm-hmm. colors you know because they the red just doesn't seem to match yeah. with their uniforms and it kind of makes it throw off all of a sudden they put yellow in and it looks amazing yeah. and we know the north stars looked good they have cool jerseys um so that's been really cool um, I knew you were gonna go with that, so I didn't go with that, uh, and I'm gonna go with the Stars all blackout yeah. jerseys, um, and that's not even a because I'm a Stars fan 100%. I, I would pick that if I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think they're that there was some up in the air whether they're gonna look good on the ice because they looked like you know a, a cone out of there on the street <laughs> um, or a jacket, you know, in the a cross guard jacket. But they look really good, and good news. Hudobin and Ottinger finally have pads and helmets to match them. Thank goodness! Uh, which looked so awful in the beginning. I don't know why they didn't <laughs> prepare better for that. But Ottinger was the first to get it, uh, and they kind of went opposites. Ottinger has the all black to go with the all black, and then yeah. Hudobin has all white with just a little bit of green on it. Pretty so nasty. they they fit really well, and it looks really really clean on the ice. So, all right. So most surprising team this season for you.
0: I got the Leafs. I mean, Marner is just tearing it apart, 46 points. And then Matthews got 24 goals, 42 points. hes I mean, I could see him winning, you, you know, Art Ross or the Rocket Richard this year. He's just a great shooter. Campbell's undefeated. You know, they're getting defense out of Riley. And it's surprising because, you know, they're playing in a tough Canadian division. The Habs are looking better than we expected. Um, the Canucks are still a good team, even though they're not either kind of underperforming a little bit. And I just think that the Leafs and the Oilers obviously like night in and night out, same with the Jets are just two teams that like the Leafs seem to contend with every night, even though it's a battle. So I, I'm really excited to see how the Leafs perform in the playoffs. But I'm surprised to be honest, because we've said that in the past and they haven't lived up to it. So
1: Yeah, that's another one of those teams we, we will say for a bunch of teams and players where we kind of knew they're gonna be good, mm-hmm. but we didn't think they'd be this good. Um, and they've they've disappointed a lot and it's tough to see how good they're really gonna be in the playoffs because they've yeah. only played the Canadian teams. So it'll be interesting to see if they get matched up against a Tampa or something like that, how they can play against the big dogs in the league. Yeah. Um. You mentioned the Jets. That was actually going to be my uh, most surprising team because I didn't think they were going to be that good. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're fighting for that top spot in the in the North. But I'm still going to go with the Florida Panthers on my end. I think that the Panthers were expected to be pretty good, but battling Tampa for first in the division, I don't think anyone expected that. Mm-hmm. Bobrovsky is even though his numbers are not anything spectacular he's winning almost every game yeah. they've come back like seven times in the third period so uh, that's going to be my most surprising team and i honestly i would love to see them win the central i'm sick of tampa sick of hearing <laughs> of them i'd love to see florida come out and win it would be really cool for that state as well to have two dominant teams from you know from florida uh, whoever thought we would say that within the nhl but you know you're looking at carolina florida and florida as the three top teams mm-hmm. in the basically in the league um, but that's my most surprising team. So opposite, biggest disappointment team of the year.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Vancouver Canucks on this one. I think, you know, out of the West, we really kind of saw everything coming, like those, you know, Southwestern teams. May, you know, maybe the Blues were a little shakier than we thought they'd be. But honestly, like the Canucks, are, they seem like they're stacked. You know, they got Holtby and Net, they got Besser, and um, and Pedersen's just a great shooter, and Hughes in the back end. But I just don't – I'm really surprised in, in a Canadian division that people thought maybe the Jets and Canadians would be kind of that – Uh, outlier team the Canucks are just kind of unfortunately underperforming a little bit in my opinion but we'll see you know there's still a lot of time to turn it around obviously they're not too far out of that fourth spot um with the Canadians but I I think that it was unfortunate for them so
1: yeah and they don't don't forget they went game seven against Vegas last year they were one win away from facing Dallas in that Western Conference final yeah um, and looked like they would be just as good, if not better this season. So I agree with that hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. I, I wanted to say Dallas for my di- disappointment, <laughs> I mean, I but you look at the injuries and I hate to make excuses, but there's a reason why they're disappointment. Um, so I'm not going to say that. I'm going to go with Calgary. Yeah. I think Calgary was in the same position as Vancouver where they, they did lose in the first round of the stars, but they brought in some pieces. They looked good. They have tons of scorers. They have the grinders. They should be doing better than they are. And in the North division, we really thought, I think people were picking them to be second or third yeah. and they are, they are struggling. So I think Calgary really needs to pick it up um, in order to, to make a playoff spot uh, and battle for that. So, all right, slap shot picks. That's fun. We'll do that uh, every couple weeks probably and, and change it up uh, as we go on. But the other segment that I love so much, we're going to jump into rapid yeah. fire questions in person. I'm going to stare Warren in the eyes <laughs> as I ask him these questions, if I can read my computer, cause it's so far away. All right, you ready? I have 15 or 16 questions for you. So we're going rapid fire. Yeah, Yeah. get your water. No think about it. Just answer. Ready? Okay.
0: TSN or NBC? TSN. Gotta gotta love the boys up north. Jim Houston, absolute legend.
1: All right, tennis or golf?
0: Tennis. Uh, It's my retirement sport. More athletic. Golf is taking up too much real estate.
1: (laughs) Rope Hance or Dennis Gurionov?
0: Ah, Hans, he's so nasty. Flying down the wing and the hair. You just can't beat the hair. Feather and fluffed.
1: Thomas Greiss or Peter Morazic?
0: Oh, Mrazek, what a, a loss, but also a wonderful uh, pickup for the Hurricanes. So I, I, I love Grice because I'm a Red Wings fan, but I'm going to go with Mrazek on I that. feel
1: like, I don't even know if this is true, but I feel like I could name 12 different goalies that played for the Wings in the last two seasons. Cause you I, named 12 they different They just go anybody. in and out. that's <laughs> yeah, sad. All right, Chelsea Dagger or the boys are back?
0: Oh, Chelsea Dagger. Every time the Hawks score, it's a a great song.
1: We've officially, just announcement on the Slapshot Sammy podcast, we've officially changed the Chelsea Dagger from the Hawks goal song to the Warren, Sam, and Bull goal song in NHL. (laughs) So let's just make that announcement. We trademark it right here. All right, would you prefer to play on the power play or the penalty kill?
0: Penalty kill, man. I love flying around out there blocking shots. Plus, I, you know, I'm never going to be NHL quality on the, power play, so I don't belong on the power play. I don't belong on the power play. It's not because I want to play on the penalty kill, it's because I don't belong on the power play. <laughs> All right. Two shows you don't like The Office or Impractical Jokers. Which one's worse? Oh, gosh. You know what? I can't. I'm going to get murdered if I say The Office. So I'm going to say Impractical Jokers just so I can not die on my way home.
1: <laughs> All right. Joey or Chandler from Friends?
0: Oh, Chandler. He's just so faithful. And I admire his relationship with Monica, I guess. I don't know. About
1: Even with Joey and Kidney Stones? Come Joey, on.
0: Joey, Kidney Stones.
1: <laughs> All right, the Olympics or the World Cup of Hockey?
0: Uh, I love the Olympics. I think it's so cool. It happens four years. Um, and there's a lot more kind of hype around the game at that point. So I'm going to pick that one.
1: This isn't a question on the list, but I'm going to ask you would you prefer pros or amateurs to be in the Olympics?
0: I think pros are awesome. I think that the fact that they get that Olympic break um, and they get to go play and represent their country. I think that's a big deal for them. And I think that the World Cup, you know, it's happening during the Stanley Cup, you know, so not all the players get to do it. And it's kind of like, you know, would I rather be playing golf or be in the World Cup versus like everyone wants to co play in the Olympics?
1: Right. I feel like amateur is almost like better to look back on in the 80s and stuff. Right. Yeah. I feel like it would be better to think of it than it would to do it. I feel and lot less fans would watch if it was amateurs. It would be fun, but yeah. we saw, what was it, the Olympics when they weren't allowed to go, and oh, pretty much Ovechkin was the only one who said he was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. All-Star Weekend or the Expansion Draft? Which one would you watch?
0: Ooh. I, I like uh, All-Star Weekend. I think it's so fun with the three-on-three, so the whole new format is a lot more fun, so I, I'd stick with that. I'm not a GM minded person, so. All
1: I, right, we asked this question kind of, but I'm going to give you a. Yet yeah, you have to answer one or the other. <laughs> Tim Peel getting fired—was it warranted or was it an overreaction?
0: It was warranted. I think you can't swear on the hot mic, uh, specifically about a, a bad call. So good integrity move for in the NHL. All
1: right, worst trade for one team: Sagan going to the Boston for, or, for, uh, going to Dallas from Boston for Louis Erickson and Riley Smith, or Zdeno Chara for Alexi Yashin from the Islanders to Boston.
0: I think boston just missed out on the sagan i think sagan maybe i don't know there was some debate about whatever but i think they they lost on a really good player especially after he won a cup with them right so, yeah yeah Fresh rookie year freshman yeah. year freshman <laughs> year <laughs> <It's> fresh.
1: <laughs> all right who wins the frozen four duluth msu umass or st cloud if you could pick one without worrying about the matches duluth roll ball dogs all right sour patch or snickers sour patch <sighs> That wow. was quicker than I thought so it was going to be. You I don't even yeah. think you knew the answer. You just it did. came out right there. It's up there. All right, last one. Sam's next men's league goal. Will it be a tip, rebound, <laughs> garbage deflection, or an, or the rare snipe?
0: It's going to be a garbage deflection that he's going to bang on with his own rebound and then celebrate like he just sniped it. Because if you guys don't know, Sam scores, he'll celebrate no matter if we're on stick time or whatever. Shiny, it doesn't matter. But or
1: that's... in the garage when I jump through the wall, you you got to sell it. <laughs> yeah, Come on, you got to get, get hyped. You got to get hyped. All right. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I got one other question that wasn't actually on the list that I'm interested. It's on the top here for, Mm -hmm. for ideas for next podcast, but I want to ask you real quick. You think Jim Montgomery will ever make his way back to Dallas? Wow.
0: I don't think so. I think with the history, um, you know, just being that like his whole situation and and that's amazing that he got out of that. It's back into coaching and, and it's just takes a whole village for people to help him doing that for him to do it because it's not easy to look in yourself and do that. I, I just think that it's it might be hard and triggering to go back to a place like that and to repeat it. But you know, I hope the best for the guy wherever he goes, uh, but I just don't see his future in Dallas. Yeah, such a bummer for Dallas
1: too cuz he's an amazing coach. Yeah. And he, has, he was like the youngest coach in the NHL, so he could have just basically been there Pat, you know, there Quinn or there yeah. one of the guys that coaches them for the next 15 years. Scotty Bowman. Yeah, someone that just stays with you and, you know, Ben and Sagan have basically had a new coach every season. So it, it did work out with Bonus. Obviously, he's a great coach, but uh, that's that's a sucky situation for Dallas, and I'm so glad to see him back coaching. I think St. Louis, right? He's an yeah. assistant in St. Louis. Uh, so went back to the enemy after they beat him in the playoffs.
0: Guys, uh, tweet at Sam Nestler, Tell him tell him stop talking about the Stars or tell him to learn to shoot a little bit more. I don't know. We'll see. But it's so good. Thanks, thanks for having me, Sam.
1: Yeah, this is fun. Last question before we go. Favorite part of Nashville
0: uh gotta go with the hot chicken that was unreal i think it beats out the whiskey to be honest but broadway is a pretty cool street the the bridgestone arena downtown is amazing so yeah if if
1: you're looking for a fun time and apparently it's popping no matter if there's covid or it's cold or it's a thursday that street is popping at all
0: times so So we still went to bed by 10 but don't worry about it (laughs) you know if you're interested it's out there
1: (laughs) all right let's get out of here before we talk about more stuff they don't want to hear thanks guys for listening to the Slapshot sammy podcast we will see you next week Peace and up.